The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. All right, now open your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 17 as we get back into this uh, message, uh, verses 14 through 21. And I, you know, you can follow along here in your notes from the mountain of glory. The last story that we talked about was the transfiguration. It's been a few weeks, but on that mountain, Jesus brought uh, Peter, James, and John. And to the top of the mountain, we believe that it was Mount Hermon, which is the tallest mountain in Israel. Uh, it's as tall as some of the mountains in Colorado, 9,200, 300 feet uh, there's snow on Mount Hermon. I know some of you, uh, you know, think of Israel and you always think of the deserts, and they do have that. In many ways, Israel is kind of a miniaturized California. You have, it's all green in the north. It's kind of more arid in the south. And to the west, you know, we have the Pacific Ocean and they've got the Mediterranean. But up in the north is Mount Hermon, over 9,000 feet, this mountain. And this is where Jesus was transfigured with Peter, James, and John, his face shining like the sun, his clothing like, and skin like lightning. And now they come down the mountain, and here's what happened. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, so the Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down the mountain, and now there is a multitude waiting for Jesus uh, down at the bottom of the mountain. And a man came to him. And kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, uh, epileptic or he has these seizures and he suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. So Jesus takes this moment and he's gonna make a teachable moment out of it. God wastes nothing. So here's the first uh, life lesson. God uses our failures to teach us something very important. So you don't have to be afraid of blowing it or making uh, you know, a mistake or failing. This is where the disciples uh, ha have really fallen down. This poor man, he's got his son, these demon, this demon is throwing him in, into the water or into the fire to commit suicide, suicidal thoughts. And as I have thought about this story, you know, as I read through and follow the headlines of what's happening today, right now, for many, many reasons, a lot of it driven by social media, everybody's on their device, on their phone, and, and locked into all of this stuff that is happening. And it's happened very rapidly, and the impact, especially on uh, younger people, is uh, they get isolated, and they, they lose the, the capacity of actually having another human being relationship-wise, I'm generalizing, and they're lost in games, video, you know, sometimes they're playing these games six to 10 hours, and they're just zooming in on whatever that is, and there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of depression, and sadly, suicide, suicidal thoughts, uh, abandonment, loneliness, and wanting to, so I think of this poor young man 2,000 years ago, something similar, and that what was behind the scenes that I don't know that the father realized, let alone the son, is there was a spiritual component of what is going on. 
So this uh, father brought his son to the disciples of Jesus. Nine of them stayed down below. He only invited Peter, James, and John up to the top of the mountain. And he said, you're Jesus' disciples. Please heal my son. Deliver my son. Help my son. But they could not. Um, and it was a very serious situation. Um, why couldn't they? And I want to note here that already, th this is toward the end of uh, Jesus' ministry. He's getting ready to now go to Jerusalem for the Passover and for the cross. So they've probably had close to three years of being with him. Jesus has sent the disciples out already on several occasions, and they have already experienced the casting out of demons. But now all of a sudden they come against a case that is hard. Uh, it's not responding. It's not yielding. It's not moving. It's not going away. Why is this? And I want you to know that's why Jesus takes this as a teachable moment as we unfold what happens and what he says. But know this, there are ranks of demonic powers. I didn't put it in your notes because I've, we've used it many times, but I want you to write down or put mentally in your brain or look up now, if you will, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul the Apostle wrote and he talked about in the spiritual realm where there are fallen angels, the chief of which is one who is known as Lucifer and who became Satan, the adversary. But not all angels are equal. Not all angels are the same, even the fallen ones. And Paul talks about there are principalities and then there are powers and then there are rulers of wickedness and then hosts of evil spirits. So apparently some are stronger than others and there is a stubbornness and there is a resistance. Um, and so we have to learn as Jesus will go forward. He says, some do not come out, but by prayer and fasting. We need to take it seriously. So I want to note a few things that they learned or going to learn as we come to this full, complete story and message. Number one, it taught them to take spiritual warfare far more seriously. Now, probably a lot of you, if you're here, if you come to the church, you know that we deal with that and we talk about that and we're very open about that. But there may be some who are here today or some that are listening and you're kind of like, ah, oh, come on, really? You guys believe in demons? Yes, they are very real. And I want to say that in general, uh, you know, because I have had the privilege of traveling around the world um, in our, in the West, uh, with our development and all the rest of it, we kind of have diminished in some ways the supernatural. Uh, we, we, it's almost hard for us to believe that they're that active or it's that bad. And we, when you think of a country like Africa or Asia and you go, yeah, okay, I, I can understand all of the things that are going on there. So they got a lot of manifestation, demonic activity there. I want you to know there's just as much wickedness, darkness, evil, and demonic oppression and evil spirits here in the West as there are in the East. They know it, and so it's a little bit more out in the open. Here, they're still here. They still have strongholds. They still oppress people. They still do what they do to bring division and to bring chaos. And literally, they're, they're destroyers. Uh, Jesus said that they're liars and murderers and as their father was from the very beginning. 
So what I want to just, you know, say to you, a word of, of caution is we need to take spiritual warfare far more seriously than we have. Can I hear an amen on that? Number two, I want you to note, it taught them the great superiority of Jesus. In the West, you know, we battle on occasion, is there a God, isn't there a God? In the East, they believe in millions of gods. It's not, do they believe in God? It's like, well, which one's the, the biggest? Which one's the greatest? And I want you to know this, in this spiritual arena, once they get drawn into it, this story and how Jesus responded and what happened reveals the great superiority of Jesus Christ. I think we've done a disservice in many ways, especially to the younger generation, because oftentimes, because the church has denied the supernatural, the power of God, the need for spiritual awareness, the gifts of the Lord, the armor of God, and spiritual warfare and all the rest, there's a great void in the young generation. They're like, so this is all there is? My mind, making money, uh, you know, doing stuff for pleasure. Is that, what is the meaning of life? What, what is, so there's this great spiritual void. And because I feel, I'm generalizing, the church has taken away the supernatural from a daily normal walk with God as a Christian, their, their hunger for something beyond this realm, beyond this world, has opened the doors to all kinds of magic and the occult and dark arts and, you know, getting, you know, horoscopes and Ouija boards and all the rest of it and these games uh, that take you into a fantasy world that open you up to confront or be confronted with these powers and spirits and all the rest of it. So it, it taught them the great superiority of Jesus because in that realm, he reigns. He reigns on earth with human beings. He reigns in the spiritual realm as well. Number three, it taught them the need for prayer and fasting. I want to just give you um, an encouragement. Uh, we, we need to, prayer needs to be a way of life. Prayer needs to be part of our culture. And in fact, um, this next month, we're, I'm going to be challenging you to press in. And we're going to do 40 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to leave it to you, whatever you want to fast and, and whatever it is. You, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you personally, individually, in your relationship with God to take, as we begin in March, 40 days of prayer and fasting. Are you, are you ready for that challenge? That was pretty weak. Are, hello. Are you, I mean, I'm telling you, I think we, we need to not just, you know, play church and do what's normal and what's comfortable. We live in an hour. We need to press in. I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. I'm pressing in. And if you're here, that's where we're going. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. All right. Amen. So we're going to do that. Fasting and prayer. And I'm telling you, we will see results the rest of this year. God is moving mightily around the world. He's knocking down giants. I mean, gigantic confrontations are happening in the spiritual and supernatural realm. What we see happening here in the great divide in our country and everybody talking and yelling and screaming at each other about politics, that's only on the earthly surface. You, you go beyond the curtains of that. There, is, there are huge, gigantic things that are going on. Of course, as you know, those who come here, it's all related to prophecy. It's all related to the coming of the kingdom. It's all related to the Middle East and to Israel and what, what's going to be coming down there. So we need, we're, we're going to be 
It's going to be exciting to see what God does in response to prayer and fasting. Now, look with me at the next two verses, 17 and 18. I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. Verse 17, and then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. (laughs) There was no drama. It wasn't drawn out. It happened immediately. And the child was cured from that very hour. So here's here's what I want you to uh, write down as we think about and talk about these two verses. Jesus comes, deals with it, casts out the demon, and then immediately he is healed. Learn to close the door to demonic strongholds. All right. And here's, I'm going to give you three words. I didn't put this in uh, your notes, but it's something that I heard many years ago from uh, my pastor that really, really helped me. When you're in a, in a difficult situation and you're kind of like, you can't quite figure out what is going on. I, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. I, I feel kind of hazy and kind of confused. And, you know, you're just kind of, something's not right. If that describes you this morning, here's what I want you to do. Number one, write down the word recognize. I want you, as a child of God, when those are the symptoms, recognize you're in a spiritual battle. You're being messed with by evil spirits. And those are often the signs. We need to recognize it. Sometimes deliverance from darkness, depression, oppression, Uh, just weirdness and even not feeling good or feeling out of it or whatever, sometimes deliverance comes just by recognizing, ah, I put my finger on it. Now I know what it's all about. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, guess what? The devil hates your guts. He has a horrible plan for your life. He wants to make you miserable. So, ah, recognition, recognize. Now I know what the source of all this malaise is. Recognize, number two, Once you recognize, resist. Write down the word resist. Once you hear these three, you'll be able to remember them easily the rest of your life. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't resist him and he'll keep hanging around and bring you further down and further into the darkness. So resist the devil. And we do that, of course, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three And you got to do all three of these. Number one, recognize, I get it, it's you. I resist you in the name of Jesus. Number three, start rejoicing. Say, Lord, I thank you. You have all power and all authority and you have set me free and I give you praise and glory. Even if you don't feel like it, by faith you begin to rejoice in the Lord and the glory of God will come upon you. Amen? So uh, it's interesting also here, verses 17 and 18, This boy's obviously he's got these seizures, but he also, there's a demonic element to it. Now, I don't, here's what we don't want to say. We don't want to say that every, you know, seizure or uh, sickness means that you're demon possessed, obviously. That's not always the case, but sometimes it can be the case. And I will say that as we've gone through the gospel, often as Jesus healed people, there was also a component to the healing that was delivering them from the influence of demons. And I think that's very important to recognize because often demonic spirits, they they hang around 
any kind of weakness that we have, and especially if it we're physically, we're tired, we're battling, we got this uh, ailment or disease, whatever that we're fighting, and so they jump on with a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of fear, a spirit of darkness, a spirit of depression, a spirit of hopelessness, whatever. So they need to be resisted. And uh, so the demons are very subtle. They like to hide. They like to control. They like to twist. And so Jesus rebuked the demon. That, we just say, I recognize where this is coming from and renounce it and resist it and reject all this evil that has come in the name of Jesus. And then God touched him and healed him. I believe that sometimes we need to be delivered from the demonic oppression. By the way, I do believe that there are some that actually get possessed, but I, I think that full-on possession is, is rarer, and I think oppression is much, much more common. Christians cannot be demon-possessed, but they can be demonically oppressed from the outside. Amen? It's a very, very real thing. So what I want to ask you um, this morning, demons feed off of our fears and our anxieties. And that's often what, you know, takes the illness and can make it even worse. I also want to say that uh, they gain access to us through attitudes that reside in our hearts. Listen to that again. Demonic spirits uh, have a way of gaining access to us through our attitudes that are not in alignment with God's Word that reside in our hearts. Paul the Apostle warned the believers in Ephesus not to allow Satan to use their anger against them. I want to have you read this scripture with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Let's read this out loud. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Okay? Now, in your notes is the word, hopefully it's there, uh, the word topos. Is that in there somewhere in a little paragraph there? Okay. Topos, that's the Greek word that is translated in English as place. So don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, if you're angry, it's okay, but don't sin. It's not a sin to be angry, it's what you do with the anger. And then he says, what is, what is it to be angry and then to move into sin? It's when you hang on to the anger and don't let it go. By the end of the day, you should have dealt with it, you feel it, you recognize it, it's an, it's an emotion. Uh, it's not sin to be angry. There's pe- things that happen that make us angry. That's okay. Uh, some people have the wrong idea that being a Christian is controlling your emotions and you always just feel nice and happy all the time. Oh, that's not even being human. God gets angry and there's certain times righteously we should be angry. But where it becomes sin is when we hold on to it, we nurse it, and we let it deepen and grow and, and it, it, beca- it metastasizes within us. So don't let it go from one day to the next. If you're carrying anger from one day into the next day and then the next day and then the next day, it can become a stronghold for the enemy. And so he says, don't give place to the devil. Don't give topos. Topos in Greek means a spot, a location, as a position, a home, or a tract. That Greek word topos is where we get our word topography from. In other words, Paul is saying, don't give ground or territory to the devil. 
So here, while I don't believe that a Christian can literally be possessed by a, a demonic spirit, if you are in sin, if you are nursing anger or bitterness or through addictions and the various things, you give a little bit of territory, a little bit of topos, a little bit of ground, that devil's going to hang on to it. You invited him in. You let him in. It was a window through your soul, through your heart, which is not right. Uh, it's like a, a little open door and they'll grab it. And then what they want is to, you know, for you to nurse it so that they get more ground and more territory. And that's where oppression can be very, very serious. So I want to ask you this morning, are there any open doors in your life to evil, to darkness, to demonic strongholds? Are there any addictions that you need to confess and get rid of? Drugs that are being abused, sex, uh, pornography, visually, whatever, it, because we need to be careful that we don't, you do not want to let any, not one inch of ground do you want to give to the devil. Not to your mind, not to your thoughts, not to your heart, uh, not to your emotions, not to your spirit certainly, or anything else. Um, now, is there anything uh, occult uh, that is, you know, some Christians, maybe they, they don't know, they haven't been taught or told or whatever, and the worship of anything other than the one true living God, anything in your home, anything from your past, uh, books and uh, amulets and, you know, even uh, those objects that were used in something that is dark or something that is evil or something that is opening the door. Look, there can be the dark side. Wow, we want to worship the devil. But there can be the light side. Oh, we're white witches and we only do good things. But a little bit of, you know, Eastern gods and goddesses. And okay, and then you try to mingle it all together in your Christian walk. You're giving topos to the devil. You're opening a door. You're opening a window. And this is what happened to ancient Israel. Little by little... They said, well, we worship God on the Sabbath. We go to the temple. We do all the sacrifices. But then on the other days of the week, we kind of open to the other gods of the you know, Canaanites because their lifestyles kind of fit what, you know, our flesh or whatever. So they tried to worship all of it together. And what happened is they gave topos. They gave territory. They gave ground to the enemy. And it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And the next thing you know, all they were worshiping was the idols. And God was left out. And God said, now my glory will be withdrawn. So we need to literally close every door. Here are some of the signs that maybe you've got a door open or a window open. Number one is their torment mentally, emotionally. Number two, voices. I'm not talking about that there are people that maybe have legitimate mental issues, uh, chemically imbalanced, that need you know, some help uh, in that way or they need some medication, that, that is fine. But I also want you to know over my many years of pastoring, and I have to pray and use discernment as people come in. Some uh, have been literally, you know, I know that they are physically sick, they have a, a, an imbalance and they need attention. There are others that I also know the voices, and when I hear what the voices are saying to them and what they tell me the voices are, that is evil and that is demonic. And it needs to be exposed and get to the root of it. Voices, unwanted urges, uh, not only, you know, appetites, the whole realm of the flesh, um, a constant fear. This is a sign that the enemy is oppressing you is that you, you're living under a weight of fear. 
You can avoid it, you can distract yourself from it, but it's kind of like a root that can get a hold of you. Another one is you can never rest. You're never at peace. Even if, you know, when you sleep at night, you're waking up, you're disturbed, and the enemy likes to wear us out. Another one is uncontrolled anger, where all of a sudden you lash out and it just, it's like, where did that come from? And you're just ripping the, you know, wallpaper off the walls and it's like, Wow, that, it didn't even feel like me. Well, maybe it was not just you. Uncontrolled anger. And then, of course, depression. Giving in. There can be physical sources, and there can be mental and emotional. You need encouragement. But there can also, you have to use discernment. Sometimes depression can be a sign of all that. When they get a foothold, they do not want to let go. And as Paul mentioned, there are different rankings of them. Some of them are stronger than others. You may need help. You may need, that's why we prayed at the beginning of the service. We need to pray for one another. We need to watch out for one another. We need to watch out for those who are younger than us, to pray for them, to be sensitive to what's going on in their lives, to look over them and so that we might minister to one another. Look what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it's a very good uh, scripture for us to read about closing the windows and the gates and the doors of our lives to evil. Let's read this out loud. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, How great is that darkness? I love it that Jesus came, he rebuked the demon directly, and it left, and the boy was healed, and he was cured. The boy was free, free to play with other boys, free of seizures, free of fear, free to be a boy, free to be set free in Christ. All right, so let me just quickly add this one. Two doors that most often give the enemy territory are anger and unforgiveness. Anger, like I said, anger's okay, just don't sin. What sin? Going more than one day, holding on to the anger. More than one day. Let it go. If there's something that, you know, even now, a memory, something, you know, and look, we all get, you know, in a fallen world where people are always making us mad. And so you have to, you have to constantly uh, be letting that anger go. And number two, forgiveness. How many of you are glad this morning that when God forgave you, he, gave, he forgave you of every little thing you ever did wrong. Can I hear an amen on that? All right. So you want that to be maintained, then you have to forgive others. Well, how much? Often we do, if they deserve it, if they know what a jerk they are, then I'll forgive them. Uh, no, where in the Bible does it say that? But here's what forgiveness is. If you don't forgive people, you just made yourself God. Let me say that again. If you don't forgive people, you just made yourself God. Why? Because God is the only one in the universe worthy to be the judge. And people are so afraid, well, yeah, but I want justice. Uh, God's into justice, but not your justice, not your sense of it. Uh, God works. How many are glad that when you deserve judgment, God was gracious and God was patient and God was merciful. The goodness of God leads to repentance. Romans chapter two, verse four. So be careful. So let go of anger. Let go and be willing to forgive constantly. Okay, let's go on to the the last one here. Verses 19 through 21. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. So they kind of got embarrassed. (laughs) 
Well, we, we cast out demons before, but we couldn't do this one. Mark tells us they were in a home. So he came to him privately and they said, hey, why couldn't we cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, remember it could be Mount Hermon, 9,000 plus foot mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So basically Jesus says you failed because of your, the littleness of your faith. What does that mean? And what is great faith? Jesus said, it's not about faith, it's about having mustard seed faith. Here's what I think happened. Apparently the nine disciples, this man comes, they have pity for him, compassion. You look, my son, he gets thrown into the thing. And so they go, okay, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. And still it's just, you know, he's going around. And um, which, which reminds me of a story. I, I got to just throw this in. Can I tell you a quick story? I mean, <laughs> so one time in a Sunday school, uh, th this was at the church back at, at uh, I think, Horizon. Anyway, these parents, you know, the Sunday school is like all oh, concerned, you know, there, there's a kid and we think he's demon possessed or whatever. So they grab the parents and, oh, we think you're, and they go, oh man, is he doing Hector again? And they go, how'd you know? Because he was walking, oh, my name is Hector, you know, anyway. I don't know why that flew into my head, but anyway, it just flew into my head. <laughs> you got to discern between the real ones and the little pretenders. But they, they said, we cast you out and nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. So from when they did it the first time, I believe every other time they said, in Jesus name, go. Boom, it happened immediately. But now it didn't happen immediately. So they quit. They gave up. That's what, uh, you know, weak faith really is. What is mustard seed faith? What is great faith? Great faith does not give up, period. The Lord rebuke you, we resist you. You must leave in Jesus' name. It doesn't leave. Did you hear what I just said? In the name of, and you do it again. And it persists. So you have to do it a third time, do it a third time. As met, you don't stop because you know and you have the, the Lord in your mind and in your heart, that evil spirit must yield, it must obey. It, it's not your power, it's not your ability. It is the power of God and the name of Jesus by his shed blood and his glorious resurrection, his true identity, and you just as much and as long as it takes. That's, the, that's what mustard seed faith is. It's persistent. It never yields, it never stops. You don't stop praying for a prodigal son or daughter. Because here's what I've heard over, well, I, went, I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer and therefore it doesn't work or he is not real. Do you know the moment you say that you just revealed you didn't believe in the first place? You were wanting God to prove something to you. God doesn't need to prove anything to you. And the reason nothing happened wasn't because of God. It was because you didn't have faith and trust. In order to connect the power of the supernatural in heaven, you have to have a relationship. You have to have connection, especially with one that is stubborn and resistant. So here's what, it, Jesus basically is saying this. 
you don't need to have great faith. All you need to have is a tiny little bit of faith that says, I'm not moving. I am not quitting. I am not stopping. And you must yield and you must leave and you must be gone in the name of, and you just stay there over and over as long as it takes until the demons finally scream and leave. Can I hear an amen on that? That's mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith is about persistence. Real quick, I want you to look at this scripture. Jesus told a couple of illustrations. Luke 11, verse eight, let's read this out loud. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. It's talking about, you know, going and, and hey, getting the judge up in the middle of the night or whatever, and he doesn't want to get up. It's inconvenient, but persistence gets him out of bed. Look at the next story, Luke 18, verse 5. Let's read it. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. <laughs> he didn't want to give in. It wasn't convenient. It's not, but, but she's so persistent I yielded. How much more, Jesus saying, is our Father ready, willing, able? You don't have to talk him into it. He already loves you. He wants to deliver that little boy more than you do. But he's looking for faith. Not great faith, not a lot of faith, not a huge amount of faith. All I need is a mustard seed. But I need to know that you're serious. I need to know that you mean business. I need to know that you actually believe I am who I am and that I have the character that I have and that I will hear it and I will bring the deliverance. So man, when you get that kind of faith, I will not let go, I will not move and I will pray and I will pray for my spouse or for my kids or for my prodigals or whatever else and I will not let go. Then you're gonna see the explosive power of the glory of God, amen? Amen. Okay, let's close our Bibles. Put away your notes. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.